Book Supplied Podcast, presented by WSL Leadership. In this podcast, we talk about an awesome book and how to apply it to your work, sport, or life. I'm your host, Iggy Perillo. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, I'm talking about the book Quiet by Susan Cain. The full title is Quiet, the Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. And I'm talking with my friend, Aurora Birds-Connor. Aurora, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Hi. Uh... I'm a scientist at a university. Iggy and I went to college together and I've known each other for quite a while now. Um, I'm a mother of two, a spouse of one. Um, I live far from my family, which I think is relevant for this. Mm, Okay. Okay. Great. Um, And uh, I am an extrovert. Okay, which is going to become very relevant as we get into this book more. That's fantastic. So uh, I was just looking for folks who had read this book and, you know, it resonated with them in some way. And you were like, oh, yeah, me. I've I've read this book. I use it. It applies to my life. And so I'm curious, when I first was sort of inquiring widely about this book, you stepped up pretty quickly. What about this book speaks to you? Like, what in this book are the ideas that you latched onto or use in your life? So one of my children is an introvert and my spouse is an extrovert. My other child is an extrovert. And it was very clear that I didn't really know how to be as good of a parent as I could be Mm, for my other child. And so I really wanted to learn as much as I could. Um, They were still pretty small. I would say, I mean, I've, I read the book quite a while ago when it first came out. Um, and, uh, you know, sh- relatively shy kid, um, a little bit anxious. And I really wanted to just see, it, it was so different from the way I moved through the world. Mm. I was really excited to get some better insight into how the world may be for them. Right. That's so great. In this book, I did look it up again. It came out in 2012 originally, and I think was made a big splash when it first came out. And yes. I think it's one of those things that's just sort of been in the ether around for a while. I think it's probably, it's been maintained popularity with the two of us, but I think it's also, yeah. I hear people reference it all the time. And I think in this exact situation you're talking about where uh, the parent either is an extrovert like yourself, you're like, oh, my kid's an introvert. Okay, wait, we we work differently. And she talks about this in the book about how you have sort of temperament and cues that you can see from little tiny babies, like like yeah. less than a year old. So I'm curious uh, if you want to share about how, like you sort of saw your kid and the sort of personality develop a little bit, but when did you right. first realize that this kid was sort of reacting differently? And is this your first or your second kid? Like, did you have the other kid for so comparison was, already? No. So this was my first kid. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, so the classic example where I sort of went, wait a minute, <laughs> um, this kid thinks very differently about things. I am a huge Superman fan. Okay. Huge Superman fan. <laughs> Great. Good to know. A uh, classic Christopher Reeve Superman. Oh, okay. Old school. Uh, old school Superman fan. Um, and so like a lot of the learning to read books are like superhero books in our house. And um, so we're reading through the, I can read books. And he's like, but why did Krypton blow up? 
Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> we're like, all right. So we sort of, I, there are a lot of ways that it's actually been framed in the canon. Um, and so I was sort of t- taking the sort of like the climate change option of like, they didn't take care of their planet and it got to be so extreme um, that it became unsustainable and it blew up. Um, and, and, uh, and its sun exploded and he's like, wait, suns explode. Like, I know suns explode. I was like, yes, you do. That's, that's what they do. And when is our sun going to explode? <laughs> okay. Well, there's some anxiety right there. Could you tell that, that was an anxious <laughs> and moment? And like, right there, I was like, not, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And he's like, but it's going to happen. And true, like, it will someday. True. Like, oh boy, you're already taking this way further than, hmm. than anybody <laughs> has a right to at the age of four. Okay. So, this is a four-year-old being like, when yeah. is our son going to explode? Okay. When is our son going to explode? And, and, and how are we going to yeah. go to a new planet, mom? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great follow-up. How are we going to save ourselves versus we're all right. going to die and this is terrible. So right. that's great. There was some hope already in four-year-olds. So like, there was some hope, but he was our, yeah, it was he was already really thinking through things in a big way. And I was like, okay. Well, and so Susan Cain talks about this, that some of the sort of introvert personality traits, there's temperament, there's personality, which she kind of gets into. And, you know, those are great. So she would say temperament is what sort of you're born with a little bit, some genetics, some Mm -hmm. just sort of reactivity and personality sort of how we're, the culture affects us, how we act in the world, how we interact, you know, this, I think some of those personality things to me, it, you know, that speaks to a little bit like, Oh, we have this like first child personality or an only child personality, or, you mm-hmm. know, like in basic ways, you know, we kind of look at how your personality is affected by birth order. You know, that's just one oh, yeah. teeny slice of it. So, um, so you have this, your kid who's very sensitive to everyone in the world dying yes. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I didn't, I mean, were you like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Or, no big deal. It's okay. We're, you know, it's far in the future. We're okay. We don't need to worry about that right now. Um, yeah. How did you yeah. take that? Um, I mean, I tried to reassure him that it was going to be okay, but at the same time, it was, I was also very aware of like, I had lived with this whole storyline my whole life and it, and it, this had never worried me. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, so the the original Christopher Reeve movie came out when I was five. So I literally was introduced to it very much at about that same mm-hmm, age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was, yeah, just like he's really thinking about things on a much bigger scale. And he didn't let it go. Like, oh, OK, it was he it wasn't like he thought about it for the afternoon, like months. OK. Uh, this coming up and like we'd be outside it's a nice sunny day and he'd be like yeah but it is gonna explode <laughs> would we love to hang out with a four-year-old who's like oh there the sun is so great but it's gonna blow up gonna what go? gonna so what did this book oh, yeah. then how did this inform your understanding of your kid or your relationship like how did then susan kane's ideas yeah affect that how you how you, yeah, process what your kid was going through. Um, It really did. It made me then much more aware. 
he was, and I knew some of these things, but it really sort of put all the pieces together. He's really sensitive to clothing. Mm. He's, um, you know, the tags on clothing have to come off. Um, he wouldn't like to get too hot. Um, uh, wasn't a huge fan of getting too cold, although that was a little better. Um, you know, not so much spicy foods, not, doesn't like loud music. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like has favorite, like loves ACDC. So <laughs> okay. yeah, never know. <laughs> right, right, right. We are um, unique mixes of people. Of, yeah. And, but, but is definitely a, a shyer kid at school and, um, just sort of, I started putting it all together and I was like, oh, wait, he's an introvert. Oh, <laughs> right. It. So do you feel right. like it came to this idea of like, oh, I have a label for this now. I have an idea. I have a little schema to put this in so I can understand well, this. Uh, I mean, I guess I obviously knew it, but I just sort of didn't think that could happen to my family. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew we could have an introvert? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, right. Where did this come from? Right. Which is uh, very um, funny because, I mean, Susan Cain does talk about how there's like heritable parts and some of the sensitivity pieces, right. like even in, like she talks about, I think she shared the story of you hold a little, you know, a baby who's like less than a year old and show them something new. And if it's new and sort of surprising or a loud noise, some babies will cry or shrink away and some babies will like look and laugh, right? You know, like you see this very different sort of reactivity level or loud noises, new situations, new people, you know, like any of these things that are sort of, that's what we can test really in teeny babies is if it's new and surprising, like how, what, how does the the baby process that surprise? And that sort of, even from those young ages then develops later, I think into some of these interesting traits you see that the the kid is thinking or the kid is looking around or the kid's more observant mm-hmm. or it, we describe that as being shy. Right. But the kid is actually maybe stepping back and thinking before they speak, or maybe yes. they're, they're just sort of watching the social dynamic around them and they don't feel a need to be the star of the show, you know, versus yeah. it sounds like you very quickly got in with like, I'm an extrovert. I'm like, okay, great. Yep. Like even, and not that like every expert needs to be the star of the show, but it seems like to me, your extroversion comes out as, I can just talk in a group. I can just say what I think. I can just get my ideas out there. We're maybe louder. We're chatty. We're like, there's a lot of verbal interaction, a lot of that happening, right. but not this kid's maybe a little quieter in that. Well, yeah. Scale, totally that quieter. And, um, and yeah, wouldn't want to go up to a group of people necessarily. They didn't know. Sure. Um, and, but, um, but then as a scientist, learning more and reading more and doing my research on, on things like really was very insightful. Um, learning things like, um, Al Gore is an introvert, but when he starts talking about climate change, it's something he's so passionate about that he, that helps him to overcome his introversion and is, a fantastic speaker um, about that topic because it is his thing. Um, right. Yeah. He's super committed. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so just seeing that type of example and display of how, it, yeah, how it works. And it made me think a lot more about the people I work with mm, okay. um, more about, um, I mean, because uh, for for my kids, you know, we're obviously talking a lot about how 
what kind of things do you want to do when you grow up or what do you like or what all of this kind of things. But then thinking about the people I work with, um, as a scientist, I do work with a lot of introverts. Sure. This is like a stereotype, right? Of scientists would would rather be in the lab working on their thing, quiet space, closed doors, you know, yeah, the stereotype that we have of the scientist mind, right? Focus. And Susan Kane would say that that gives you space to be really, really focused on one thing and do the thing that you're working on and give it your full attention. Right. Um, and so thinking more than about what is going on in the meetings I'm having with other scientists, Mm. um, what, it's not that people don't have good ideas because obviously they do. Um, but the way the tide changes in a meeting with people who are processing versus the people who are leading forward with their ideas, um, made me think a lot more about um in the book she talks about how groupthink doesn't always come up with the best ideas because the group has to collectively do things which just isn't the most efficient way to always get anything done oh yeah certainly not how we're we're biased toward the sort of extrovert personality as some as sort of an ideal in american culture this is not true like you know globally but in american culture we were like, oh, they talk loud, they talk fast, they talk first. Cool, they must be really smart. They must, they must know what's going on. They're a great leader, which is 100% not, a, there's no actual connection between talking loud, fast, and first and being intelligent and, you know, having the best idea. And we, but we have this bias like, oh, they talked first, they spoke first, they must be, we have, yeah, it's just an interesting bias that we see. And she, it's really funny. She tears it apart to be like, you know, those introverts, they're thinking a little more, also have great ideas, but they get, you know, pushed to the side or they get sort of buried underneath the the volume or the, uh, you know, the, the mass of ideas that come out of extroverts mouth. So we absolutely, like she makes it basically the argument that we actually have worse ideas when we were following extroverts because they're just loud, fast and first, not thoughtful, like deeper thinking, which is also slower and, you know, maybe more maybe just better you know, <laughs> ideas from other folks. And so when we have right. groups that work together, she would say we, that, that bias gets even more amplified. Like, Oh, you talked loudest and first, Oh, here's my idea to support your idea. Here's my, you know, so then suddenly we're all in support of this loud, fast, first idea when our quieter, you know, processing, thinking, observing more introverted minds have great ideas, but they're, you know, like the little squeak, you know, that in underneath an avalanche of other ideas. Absolutely. Do you see what else from Susan Cain's work does you do you see in action in your life, or have you used any of her ideas in terms of how you act or interact with your colleagues or your kid or any of these spaces? Um. So I I think I've changed a lot of my interactions. First, starting at home, um, trying to be um, less loud. I'm also a, a coach for my kids soccer teams and baseball teams and softball teams. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a tendency to be the yeller, um, (laughs) which serves a purpose. It's useful (laughs) and very helpful in some situations, right? It, 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 yes, it can be pretty chaotic out there, but, um, I really try to be aware that for some kids that is, that's enough to just shut them down. The opposite of having them hear me is if I'm, if I'm too loud, it's too much for them Mm -hmm. and they won't be able to focus on 
taking in the information, I'm pr processing it into whatever play is going on or whatever reaction needs to happen quickly. Um, and they need to be able to just hear it. Often they only need it once. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so I do have to, to really try and scale back and alternate sort of how I'm, how I'm expressing a lot of exciting things that are happening at a fast pace, um, uh, which thankfully doesn't really happen at work very much, but I do find it, it happens outside a lot more. Oh yeah. I can definitely imagine um, coaching a group when you want a player to move somewhere and you're just yelling at them to move there and they're like, run, run, run. too much, you know, to yeah. even take in. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Um, uh, similarly, uh, so soccer, as far as for my kids, soccer was much more of an extrovert child sport. Okay. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a whole lot of chaos. There's not, especially at the young age, there's not a lot of rules. There's not a lot of predictability. <laughs> not a lot of strategy to that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Heaven forbid you get the ball. Everyone comes to you all of a sudden. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so it suddenly made sense why my introverted child enjoyed doing the drills, but not the games. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, because with the drill, you know what's going to happen. You can focus. You've got a, a very specific goal. It only relies on what you're doing. Yeah, you got your part. It's clear. It's your part. Maybe you're paired up with one other person. Okay, no problem. Whereas, yeah, the game was just utter chaos. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. So it was a good way to step back and say, ah, I can see why the kid is not really enjoying this sport. Let's find something that is a lot less of the chaos. Baseball is a very individual sport played mm. as a team. Right, right. Okay. Um, sure. So here, let's give this a try. And yes, a decade later, still playing baseball. Oh, great. Yeah. I, yeah. I can definitely see the difference in terms of like, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's moments of really dynamic action, but it's all very clear. Right. Like I need to get the ball from here to here, or I need to get right. myself from here to there. Like it's there, very right. straightforward. And versus, there's a lot of planning. Like if the ball goes here, my job is to go there. If like, yeah, if this it, happens, here's what I do. A lot of that. Right. Definitely. Fascinating. Yeah. And it, um, I never thought of baseball as a introvert friendly sport. I was thinking like, Oh, like swimming. Right. You know, so you just like in oh, your lane yep. doing your thing, totally True, but, um, which is much more in, of an individual sport or running, you know, like very hyper individual, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but as a team sport, baseball is very individual too. That's a great point. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, definitely applying the book in a lot of ways, just to, to really make me step back and say, Maybe if I reframe this, it explains a lot better what's going on and 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 how to make things easier on my family, on the people around me, um, and on even sort of the dynamics of when I give a presentation. Um, uh, I do a lot more pausing when I give a presentation, which I think was probably always a better idea that I wasn't doing <laughs> right, before right. anyway. Um, but, but giving time for people who are thinking a lot 
to have the time to think before I move on to a new topic. Right. Um, Absolutely. I've definitely taken how she approaches, yeah, that idea of providing thinking time. And I think from her, like, I read something about how to do better brainstorming, essentially. Like, if we want mm-hmm. to generate a lot of ideas, you're far better off giving people the prompt ahead of time, like a day before, a week before, a month yes. before. It doesn't even matter. So at the meeting, the people who are, have been thinking about it have, are ready. They have their ideas ready. And in the meeting, probably the extroverts who are just going to blabber whatever they're going to blabber are also ready. You know, it does it basically yeah. helps set up your introverts to give them that mm-hmm. sort of lead time. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk about this thing. Great. You know, I want ideas mm-hmm. about this, whatever it is. So you can really tangibly design things, like you were saying, to really um, support those introverts and those that processing style without. Yes. And I think she talks a little bit in the book about you need to really hold back the extroverts sometimes. They're just too, they're out there and you need to put the brakes on for them to give the introverts space and to give the introverts time and to right. get those voices amplified and into that group or into that conversation more. And um, I've definitely have worked in groups where one of the, I worked with the sports team actually, and one of the players mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to be not the first person to answer first today. I'm like, that is a great goal for you. You know, this very extrovert personality. Just, <laughs> whenever something happens, they're like, blah, 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 you know, and it, it, they, you know, fine. It was great. Their ideas were great, but they intentionally realized that they were limiting what other other people's participation or other people's ability to get their ideas out there because they always spoke first. And yeah. so I could see her just like holding herself back, being like, "Okay, I just need to not be the first person to answer." I'm like, "That's a great. That's great. That's really the dedication to like in, engaging the team in a different way, you mm-hmm. know, or engaging more team members." And so there are ways you can do that within meetings as the meeting leader for sure and provide right. that space or making sure you um, call on the introverts who have something to share. Like you can tell they might not raise their hand or, you know, whatever kind of chime in, yeah. but that doesn't mean they're not thinking they're not processing and don't have amazing, great ideas, but how to create that space for them that where they feel like they can share or can offer their ideas or bring them forward without judgment, without, you know, just the same way an extrovert can blabber their ideas out there without judgment or without, you know, um, mm-hmm. ridicule or whatever that might happen in that culture. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm often the first talker, um, <laughs> in meetings. Um, <laughs> uh, and that is, it, it is something to actively try not to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's hard yeah. for me. Well, and, but, and you probably have great ideas. You're like, this has worked many millions of times for me. This has been, I'm amazing. You know, like, I don't think you're that egotistical to be like, all my ideas are the best ever. But you know you have good ideas. You know you have like your have things to offer, and so of course you're excited to get them out there. And I think I it sounds like you also are like I know I need to make space or invite in the introverts, maybe invite right. to participate in different ways. Try, yes. <laughs> well, and I I do think it's this is a bit of a tangent, but I do think it's also harder for women to think about that. I mean, I think to get ahead in academics and in classes, I really did have to just jump in Mm. a lot of the time. Um, And, uh, and that, I I think I was praised Mm -hmm. because I was a girl who was speaking up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that got reinforced. Right. Um, Uh. But I also felt like if I didn't jump in first, it was just going to be a wash. 
of guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ideas and then I wouldn't get anything in. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, so, I suspect that was like accentuated by being one of the few or only women in the room, right? Yes, like I've heard this dynamic right. before being the, the person who's the only one in the room has to suddenly be like fit within this really confined cultural dynamic of what it means to be a good member of that little space or that community. Right. If it is talking first, like, yeah, you better do that because or else you'll just get be ignored or yeah, like pushed to the side, maybe potentially. That's fascinating. I think she also talks about um, how people like we, we cater to extroverts a little bit in our society sure. and we sort of ignore introverts a little bit, but you can be a well-adapted introvert. And it's not, you know, this is like a spectrum, right? Not, there's not just like one or the other. There's sort of a mix and a blend in between. And I think it's actually situational for some people. Like I'm sure there are plenty of, um, middle schoolers who are super shy. Then later, like they find their groove and you're like, Oh, in high school, I found my friend group, my group, you know, I'm not this shy little yeah. wallflower anymore. You know, like whatever, this is a sort of classic, like development arc of every movie that involves teenagers. But I think there's also <laughs> that as, um, as we evolve in society too, like you, you're very aware that in this like academic setting and science settings that you need to get your voice out there. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's reinforcing your already extroverted tendencies and probably amplifying them. Like they're rewarded, yeah, they're amplified. So. And for our fr- introvert, more introverted folks, finding their spot, finding their pace, but also understanding how to, we call in introverts. She would say, um, uh, Susan Cain says that we, we ask introverts to do the, the bridging of that gap a lot more often than we ask extroverts to do it. Like just yes. in broad strokes, right? And so, introverts are called on to get their voice out there more or to be step up a little more or to, you know, raise their hand a little more than they would maybe feel inclined to do mm-hmm. because we want them to act more like extroverts and which is not yeah. awesome. Broadly speaking, like, Hey, act more like the, who you're not so that you fit in eh, generally right. not a super great message, but the reality is that's what happens. <laughs> like that, that we ask introverts to bridge that gap yeah. and we ask introverts to step up more often than we ask extroverts to like hold back or, you know, create space. And I think this is changing with time. I've, I've seen it mm-hmm. evolve over time where people are like, oh, I need to actually have an introvert friendly meeting An introvert, you know, that that things being introvert friendly is a part of sort of the ether out there a little bit. They're like, oh, yeah, I need to pay attention to this. I need to I actually want all the ideas or I actually want everyone to be involved. How do I set this up so my quieter people can get their ideas out? And my louder people don't steamroll, you know, the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that mm-hmm. evolve over time? for you in your world or is it pretty much like oh no this is like the extrovert uh, extrovert party town where i work (laughs) um well i think a a lot has really changed with covid Mm -hmm. um because the meetings are no longer in person Mm um i mean they they are again sometimes in person but they're uh People are just a whole lot more awake. I don't know. We've all taken up tendencies, I think, that help people who are introverted. Yeah. I've, I've heard that COVID <laughs> was like an introvert fiesta, basically. Like, cool. Yeah. I get to work but at even- home. I get to close out all my work coworkers. Throw a party. This is like ideal. For many yeah. introverts, if that's the sitting situation that they've suddenly found themselves in versus right. an open office, which I would think would drive oh. most introverts crazy or a, a very chatty, collegial, collegial type of environment where people are always in each other's space kind of thing. Right. I mean, if you if I meet someone now, I don't go up to shake their hand. I still don't. 
I still, <laughs> I still keep a little bit of distance, um, which must, I recognize must be so much better for a lot of people mm-hmm. who weren't comfortable with, who really wanted a more large personal bubble to begin with, but had adapted themselves mm-hmm. to, all right, new people are just going to come right up at me. That's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, right, right. And, uh, you know, we don't have these uh, social hours with extra food and you're supposed to hang out after oh, work right, and right, try right, right. and the networking, the, the networking yeah. and, which is like the chaos of the soccer field for a lot of people. We're people yes. mingling around. We don't know what's going on. There's all there's some snacks. There's a ball on the field. There's a goal somewhere. Everyone's just roaming everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, so those kinds of things have all gone away. We go on Zoom meetings. And then afterwards, there's always some, or I think we've learned now, somebody's been taking notes. But at the same time, they say, all right, these notes are going to be put into a Dropbox or a, a Google Sheet or whatever. Please add in more from your perception mm-hmm. of the talk or things you've added or things you thought of during the process. Um, and so that's become a really good way to let things percolate um, and become yeah. part of of the product of the meeting that would have been usually completely missed before. Oh yeah. Like the, I had thought about that, like just the asynchronous work that suddenly this right. is a thing we do in the past. Yeah. We did it during a meeting together all, you know, at the same time, but now we have just that whole, again, like another, a new word, you know, a new idea for how we operate <laughs> like asynchronously, which yeah. before I don't think was really the thing that it is now when you can have an online piece here and a live piece there and a, you know, a meeting right. or a, a document or a, something to sort of chime in on that it doesn't matter when you do it. Like, and mm-hmm. because no one else is around, you get to do that sort of on your own agenda or in your own space or time. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of extroverts have suffered during COVID for a lot of those reasons too, <laughs> where suddenly they're like, Hey guys, anyone, anyone, you know, like, uh, oh. yes. like a little more that isolation is maybe not not leading to that thriving interconnectivity and energetic um, kind of space that a lot of extroverts thrive in. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I was incredibly demoralized when I had to shut down all of my research and go home. Oh, I bet. Like, like loss of self identity, loss of everything. Um, Because working in a vacuum from home was just like the worst possible scenario I could probably think of in terms of still being able, still being able to work. Right. Right. Um, And you've survived. So good. And and it's all come out the other side for the (laughs) most part. Um, But that's hard. I think we don't always appreciate how hard this has been on extroverts. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah. you could just chat with someone on zoom, but like, you can't, like, it's not the same. It's not the same. And at the beginning we didn't know how very well. We've heard a lot. There are a lot of things. But um, you know, learning how to, to do a lot of things when the person isn't right with you um, was really hard for me to adapt to because I was so accustomed to feeding off their energy, feeding off their excitement for their project. Um, uh, a big part of, of leading a scientific team is sort of to be the cheerleader mm. um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, helping them to not get too upset 
when it doesn't work and really pushing through and and all of the joys and excitements um, and uh, not being in person really took away a big skill um, that I used a lot more than I thought I had. Mm, Interesting. Um, So you just became more aware of that by, I mean, by losing it. By by not having it. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that that part of the role for you as the extroverted scientist, right? Versus a stereotypical introvert, like just leave me alone with my, you know, my work kind of scientist is that you are connecting and supporting. And I'm sure all your people were like, oh yeah, we know that Aurora is going to roll in and like, tell us what's, you know, connect with us, tell us we're doing a good job, give us ideas, blah, blah, you know, like they'll interact with us and support us in various ways. Fascinating. And, and have you talked with your teammates? Do they miss that too? Or did you hear from them? Or were they like, woo, good, you're out of my grill. You know, (laughs) I'm curious how that came out from on their side. Um, well, at first we literally had to shut down all of our experiments. So Mm -hmm. we were all upset because, um, because we just weren't able yeah. to do our work. Science is that, over. That yeah. was awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Um, all right, go write some papers and do some online research. Like, mm. uh, it's basically like being assigned something for a science class. Right. Like, go again. write a report. And you're like, go write a report on stuff that other people have done. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Um, but once we started getting back together, it was, um, it was really interesting to see the people who for one reason or another wanted to work at times when there were fewer people in the lab. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. And I totally, some of, I totally get, there were a ton of different reasons for that. Um, Some of them had to do with COVID safety, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of them have to do with a lot of what was in the book where she was like, and it's the classic it was me in grad school too. You wake up at noon, maybe some good ideas start happening by four o'clock. <laughs> by the time the sun goes down, things are moving. Let's do some stuff. Right, right. And and like all of the best work got done at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that is very classically true in my building, in my department. If you mm. go at two in the morning, half of the lights in the building are still on because people are cranking away they've got their lot whatever their music is there's nobody else around um and they're in their groove so has your workspace operated more so it sounds like the hours may have changed like before perhaps it was you were nine to five whatever you know kind of like a on a schedule but now that to accommodate more people the hours more open or did you always sort of have that people could come in at different times but now it's just a lot more obvious you could always come in at different times Mm -hmm. um sort of as one of the group leaders, I, and as a parent, I tended to be there more normal hours. Right. Right. Um, but certainly grad students, postdocs, um, it was always whatever worked for you, Mm -hmm. but, but there was a distinct six months probably, um, during COVID where we had to have limits on the number of people in a specific room. Mm -hmm. And so we had to split up the times like people had Mm -hmm. the morning shift or they had the afternoon shift. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could trade your times if you had an experiment, but, but it was very engineered for like no more than three people in a room. Absolutely. And that room used to hold eight people. Mm -hmm. So, mm. (laughs) right. Um, So, 
So there was purposeful spacing, but even outside of that, then some people said, you know what? I'm really good with the 10 PM to six spot. Wow. Good. Good on you. Night owls like have at it. Great. Interesting. And I think that's so fascinating that that, that you connect that with not just sort of, oh, they're a night owl, they're a morning person, but that's like the introvert who's like, I I don't want to be around people. I don't need to be around people. Maybe I I suspect the people that the most wanted or needed to be around others look at that schedule and look at when are the most people here that's when i'm going i suspect there were some of your people that that was their their sort of decision making other people when are the least people here when is no one here that's when i'm going like that's how i'm gonna you know serve myself well and serve how i process Mm -hmm. and think and how i do my best work right and i think in the beginning um there may have been some some people who who weren't sure what was going to really necessarily work but then as as those changing of times became more optional where you could flex your own time as needed. Um, it was interesting to see how many people continued with the alternative flex times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think um, we're seeing this so. now in our world when people, when some spaces are like, cool, we're no more work at home. You're all coming in and all the introverts start you know, are crying inside because they suddenly know. have to come back in or, you used to be able to have this flexibility. Now we're clamping down on this for, there's actually no good reason to all, you know, yeah. if your work was happening just as well remotely versus in person, there's no reason to be in person. Similarly to time, you know, nine to five, whatever, a, a time schedule. Yeah. If your work can happen just as well without that time schedule, there's no need to force that on people. And I think we're seeing the sort of second bump of resignations when people are like, actually, I don't want to go back to how it was before because this freedom of schedule, this freedom of space usage, you know, a lot of these things, the the uncrowd the forced lack of crowding yeah. in some spaces has been really really supportive of some people's introversion mm-hmm. and their introvert like mentality and how they operate and probably how they feel and so being right. forced to go back and kind of revert to some of these things that didn't serve them well if it's done in a really draconian way uh, people yeah. are out of there like that's just not gonna I think people aren't gonna tolerate that because because other places are like oh wow we just learned that we don't need an office we don't have an office anymore Perfect. people you're free you know whatever and it depends on obviously the work you're doing and what you need to have happen but right. some organizations have gone a full remote from here and some have gone mm-hmm. great we're back to in person and that's not landing well <laughs> like the for everyone for sure not landing right. well yeah as an as an extrovert who likes to butterfly around a lot. Um, I really do appreciate, we have um, a system where everyone comes in at least two Wednesdays a month. Mm-hmm. That's great. So minimal. That's like, some people are like, you have to be here four days a week. And so you're like, two oh, no. Wednesdays a month. Great. That's fantastic. So you know, so it's for you knowing if you're there on all the Wednesdays, you're like, I'm going to see everyone at some point. Right. Like, I can make it happen. <laughs> Right. I have this question for him and like, it would be really complicated to type it all out. But if I just stop by and say, all right, here's the situation, what should I do? Or how do I fix this? Or what do you think? So much easier for me than um, trying to do it remotely. So um, knowing that people uh, who normally are at home will at least be in some of the Wednesdays. Right. That's a great It's really great. Yeah, that's fantastic. It, it sounds like a good, I don't, I don't know how you came up with this, that policy or that schedule or whatever, but it sounds like it's in some ways the best of both worlds. So that only for the introverts are like, Ugh, I only have to do this two days a month. And, every, and for the extroverts, it's like, yay, I get to see everyone at least two days a month. You know, like, <laughs> right. they're sort of, I can see sort of 
uh, that being acceptable, you know, to sort of both Mm -hmm. stereotypical groups, right? You know, that we're talking about a little bit. That's fun. That's a great way to, and I think, I'm curious, you know, over time, we're too close. We should follow up in like a year from the scientist's point of view, if work productivity then is affected, you know, it's hard because everything got shut down, like you were saying. And right. Everything is still just weird. Yeah. Maybe it's not easy to compare, but I think as you get back to whatever the normal is, that's going to be happening. I'm curious how, if people will feel more supported and do better work over time, like theoretically, Mm -hmm. according to Susan Cain, you're setting people up to do their best work because they can operate on a schedule that more often works for them in, in various ways. So theoretically better work should be done more work, you know, more, you know, whatever better means in your, Mm -hmm. in your life and time. So I'm curious how that will play out now that you've come to the space of, of accommodating both the extroverts and the introverts together and and making that. Yeah sort of a happy medium or whatever, or the first iteration of what the happy medium will be, you know, whatever that looks like down the road. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's a process. (laughs) Good luck is what I was going to say with all of that. (laughs) Are there any other uh, pieces or hot topics from this book that you want to make sure that we cover before we wrap up for today? Um, Nothing comes to mind. How about you? I think we've gotten to all the things that are really interesting to me or that I've used for sure. Like the, well, I guess for me, my field is more leadership. And so mm-hmm. they, uh, she explicitly says that introverts make great leaders. I'm like, yes, exactly. And it's a different sort of pace to the extrovert leader, the stereotypical extrovert leader. Yeah. And extroverts can be fine leaders too, but not to overlook the introverts and in leadership roles. And, you know, she whips out some stats with like this many CEOs of this many 500, you know, Fortune 500 companies, like the introverts perform, you know, whatever. She has stats for that if you want stats mm-hmm. for that. Uh, we tend to have more extroverted leaders, again, for the biases and the reasons we have. But oh, yeah. our introverted leaders tend to perform better in um, in the studies that she's done. So I love that little piece of information because I think I work with a lot of leaders who are um, maybe they feel that pull as an introvert or they feel that personality and they're like, oh, I get talked over. So I don't get the promotion. So I don't get, you know, mm. moved up, but I have great ideas, but I have this, how do I carve out a space for myself without selling out? You know, sometimes they feel like, oh, oh yeah. I need to sell out to be an extrovert. And that doesn't feel really great all the time, but mm-hmm. how do, you know, again, we're calling on these introverts to adapt and bridge these gaps sometimes. So yeah, that was the other piece I think that stuck out to me from this, that, even if you are an introvert or even if you are an extrovert, you can be a great leader. And I'm sure both can be kind of garbage leaders. Like we all know that. <laughs> but that not to overlook the the power of introverts, again, as like the title is in um, to be great leaders and to be great participants in all the things that we casually bias toward extroversions, extroverts mm-hmm. for in our world. But yeah, it's been great talking with you today, Aurora. Thanks so much for you making too. this happen. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Awesome. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Book Supplied Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a new book and learning how to apply its ideas to make your work, sport, or life a little bit more awesome. For more leadership education-related content, including conflict management checklists, invitations to a fun-free lunch that happens monthly, upcoming classes, webinars, and mastermind groups, please head over to wslleadership.com. Thanks, and have a great day.